Welcome to West Virginia Beer Roads, a podcast all about beer from a West Virginia perspective. I'm Aaron McCoy here with my podcast partner, Charles Bakway. Thank you, Aaron. It's always a good day when you can get over to West Virginia's Eastern Panhandle and visit breweries. Today is no exception as our travels take us to Martinsburg, West Virginia, which is about a five-hour trip from our home base in Charleston. And Aaron, we've got a guest today that we've been wanting to visit with in person for the past year. Yes, we do have a guest today whose name might not be as familiar to our listeners who live in the western three-fourths of West Virginia. But I think that beer fans in our part of West Virginia should get familiar with Kurt Kimbrell because he runs one of the real up-and-coming breweries in our state. So let me introduce the founder and head brewer at Amani Brewing in Martinsburg, Curtis Kimbrell. Kurt, welcome to West Virginia Beer Roads. Thanks for coming, guys, and thanks for having me on the show. Well, we talked with you about a year ago when you were just getting things up and running here at Amani Brewing. What's your first year of operation been like? Uh, a whirlwind, <laughs> to say the least. Uh, it's, been, it's been incredible. The reception that we've received from the community has been awesome. We've met a lot of new people uh, that we wouldn't have met both inside the industry and outside the industry mm -hmm. uh, that come to the tap room, which has been really cool. Uh, everything's been very well received. We've learned a lot of lessons uh, over the year and, and just look forward to the next years coming up. Has there been something in particular that stood out most to you? Don't think anything's ever going to be one way. <laughs> I thought the Pilsner was going to be the number one beer selling beer for us in this part of the state and across the river from Maryland. A lot of great craft beer over there. Mm -hmm. And very quickly within the year, it started to morph from that to New England's and mm -hmm. now New England IPAs are our number one selling beer. Mm -hmm. And I think you have a beer ready for us to uh, taste today, and I hope you would introduce that for us while Aaron and I give it a try. I do. It's called the Mountaineer, uh, of course, named after our state. Um, this is a Pilsner, 5.3%, very easy drinking, was the beer that we wanted to introduce the community to craft beer with and mm -hmm. then try to... Uh, step them through the craft beer market and products that we offer to try to get into more uh, of the beers that we love now, the New England IPAs, the stouts, the, the sours, all of those. So do you see in this market uh, these crispy boy type uh, lagers becoming more and more popular? They started out super popular with us. Uh, Right now, as I said, the Hazy Daymaker New England IPA is our number one selling beer. But as a whole, this and our Kolsch sell more uh, than the other categories if you combine those two drinks. Sure. Okay. And summer's coming up, so we're getting ready to hit a lot of Kolsch and Pilsner consumption. Right. Well, if you would, just describe a little bit of how you make this particular beer. Uh, so this one's just a simple grain bill. Uh, we use a really good... Pilsner base malt, uh, just a little bit of uh, specialty malts to give it some body and backbone. Mm -hmm. uh, we ferment it for a very long time, um, and then we actually have a slight dry hop in this beer, mm -hmm. uh, which mm -hmm. a lot of people don't do in, in Pilsners, but we found that we really like that edge that it gives to this beer and the characteristic. 
uh, and then we condition it for six weeks before we keg it and serve it. Yeah, so that's been always an issue for a lot of small breweries, especially startups that have don't have a whole lot of capacity in Space. large equipment. Mm -hmm. That they have to tie up a tank, you know, that long with a beer, and that's why everybody's just likes to make ales, you know, quick turnaround beers. So has that been an issue for you at all? It's not. We knew going into this that, that we were going to need to do that, so we kind of made plans accordingly to allow us to do that. Mm -hmm. uh, we didn't want to rush anything to production. Uh, it's always been about making the absolute best beer we can make, and we, don't want, we won't do anything to sacrifice that, either ingredients or time. Well, this beer is a, a bright golden color. It's mm -hmm. very nice, light, and uh, clean. Very clean, yeah. Yes, quite good. Definitely get the, uh, the hops come through. Yeah. Kurt, I saw a social media post recently where you were teaching your daughter, Paris, to make a brew. How did that go? It, uh, it went very well. It was an incredibly proud moment for me to mm -hmm. introduce her to the brewing process. Mm -hmm. uh, this brewery is named after her. Um, you know, it's her middle name. It's correct? her middle name. Uh, we really had the intent of starting this so that hopefully one day we could pass this business off to her. Mm -hmm. um, and she recently came to me and said, Dad, I want to learn more about it. Can I brew with you? And I was like, absolutely. Hell yeah, let's do it. That's great. I, I know we briefly got to meet her um, as we were arriving here today. And I, so I, I got to ask her personally. And she said that she was impressed by how many moving parts there were and that she really enjoyed the process. So. Yeah, it was a wonderful day. Uh, we brewed a West Coast, uh, which is the first West Coast that I've done, mm. um, which was kind of cool that she was in with that first beer. We played old school rap the whole day, just blasting. <laughs> it was it was a great time. Sounds like it. Well, I remember that you got your start in brewing with the help of people at Kushwa Brewing, which is just up the road, of, I guess, a few miles into Maryland. So is there anything, though, that you've found to be very important here after you've been running your own brewery that the experience at Kushwa didn't really prepare you for? Well, that's a good question. Um, my relationship with Garrett at Kushwa has been as a extremely close friend, but also as a uh, mentor on the brewing side. Um, there's a lot of things that we didn't discuss uh, in our relationship. It, but it was always more about, oh, ingredients or the process side of it. So I never really discussed a lot of the business side with it. Uh, there's a lot of things that came up on that side of it that were uh, unforeseen by us and, and things we didn't expect. Mm -hmm. You know, we had six uh, increases in grain price the first eight months that we were running. Wow. You know, like all those little things that started yeah. to add up in time. Freight, you know, was another thing that was unexpected it went from 130 dollars a pallet to now it's 225 a pallet so pretty big adjustment to yeah, make <laughs> huge and, right and you know we we were trying to absorb all that stuff not pass it along as best we can so yeah those are some of the things that we didn't expect going into this that have now come up yeah i think that a lot of people just beer drinkers and beer lovers don't you don't dwell on that side that this is a business and there are so many business aspects in running a small business a lot of people who become brewers have never really had to run a small business before and there's a lot of new things people have to learn beyond just making good beer mm -hmm. absolutely yeah well maybe in a nutshell could you give a description of your current beer lineup so if people want to come up here to martinsburg area and visit you that haven't already been here what's uh on the tap list now and, and maybe just give a little rundown in that description too of your, your brewing philosophy 
Um, so we have a full range of products on the tap list now. Uh, we even have a seltzer, which has been a new introduction for us. Mm -hmm. uh, I didn't intend on ever making a seltzer, but mm. early on into the process, we got a lot of questions asking us for something that was other than beer. Um, so four or five months ago, we started R&D on a seltzer to try to get one that we could present to customers that didn't like craft beer or were potentially gluten intolerant. So we created Namaste, uh, and we did it a little different. Instead of creating a full batch that was fruited with only one fruit in a five bur bourbon barrel batch, um, we decided to create a blank palette, and then we fruit it after we pour it. And that allows us to mix it up for the customer, give them multiple choices, but also you're not stuck with the same product for a long period of time. Uh, we have two New England IPAs on tap, a hazy Daymaker and Latibule. Uh, we have the Mountaineer that we're drinking now. And that's the lager or the Pilsner? It's a Pilsner. Yeah. We have a Kolsch. Um, we have Fireside Porter, which is uh, quickly becoming a core brand that I didn't expect. And that's one, though, that you've been making since the get-go, right? That the was the second beer I ever made. Yeah, I yeah. thought I remembered that name. Yeah. Hazy Daymaker was first and the Porter was second. Um, and then we just we have a rotating uh, embracing risk series, which is our fruited sour series mm -hmm. uh, that we rotate different fruit combinations through. Mm -hmm. So currently uh, here in spring 2023, what's uh, been most popular? What's moving the best quick quickly at the at the brewery right now? Hands down, hazy daymaker. Mm -hmm. As a category, as a whole, uh, loggers and uh, Kolsch are moving very fast too, and we. We have a new uh, Kolsch coming up. Um, it's a 4.6% Kolsch, perfect time for the summer. So yeah. So it would be easy drinkable, uh, drier finish. We've only been open about a year, but in that time, have you seen any style preference shift among your customers? Yes. Uh, we shifted from Mountaineer to a New England IPA, but also another shift that we didn't expect to happen this fast was almost immediately we people wanted a shift from constantly rotating beers to more core beers. Almost yeah. immediately when we opened, mm -hmm. uh, if something went off that people really, really liked, they were like, hey, you need to bring that back on or keep it on. So we've now come to a point where we're having three or four core beers on all the time, which is kind of new to the industry uh, that I didn't expect to happen in, in such a short period of time. So over here on the Eastern Panhandle, basically you're saying you're in your beer fans, they, they aren't really seeking out experimental stuff. They, they're just kind of looking more for what they already know and like that is, will become maybe a core brand for you. Yeah, they're, they're looking for both. Uh, we have the core group of customers that, of course, wants the core beers to be on tap all the time. And then because of our demographic and location, we get a lot of D.C., Northern Virginia customers to come in. Uh, that seem to want the new stuff or the rotational stuff. So we're trying to blend that that both and create a balance with it. Yeah, we had a conversation yesterday um, with Glenn Price uh, from Black Draft Distillery, and, and we that was part of our conversation was getting customers here because of your location and how you are a little bit out further. And what is that something that, that you know you personally considered for Imani? How do you get your customers to the area if they, you know, you're kind of a ways out and transportation East, can be an issue for some people right social media uh, hands down is our biggest form of marketing and, and advertisement and it seems to work the best we're we're growing steadily on both platforms 
uh, increasing uh, our reach and our customers uh, and following. So it's, it's been the best way for us to do it. Well, I know when we talked to you and you were just getting started and it gets into some of those core beers you were just talking about, you mentioned that you wanted to be more sessionable across the board, that most of your beers weren't going to be the 9 and 10% or the double, triple kind of strength beers. Is that pretty much where you've remained and has that been your strength, you think? Yes, that's where we've remained and we've actually pulled a few of the beers that were above 8% back down. Uh, re-sent them to the state for approval and then put them back out at the lower ABV. Uh, it, that's what works for us. Uh, we, we don't see a huge demand for those super high ABV beers. And, and a lot of guys do that extremely well. I like to drink those once in a while, but we like to keep things a little more sessionable here for sure. our uh, community. Yeah, and, and seasonality too, is that something that's been a strong pull for style development or you know, you, summer beers versus fall and winter beers, is that? No, I, I thought it would be. Mm -hmm. And things are things are consumed just pretty evenly across the board throughout the whole year. Well, it sure, sure makes it simpler. Mm -hmm. It makes it a lot easier for mm -hmm. us. <laughs> well, no matter how much we wax poetically about beer, running a brewery is first and foremost a business, and you can't pay your bills or make payroll. You won't be in business long if that doesn't happen. So... Kurt, what would you say has been your biggest challenge in running a brewery as a business? Time demand, probably. Balancing uh, the work-life cycle that is constantly a struggle for us. Um, we, we're very adamant that everybody has a good work-life balance, mm -hmm. and sometimes I lose sight of that on myself, think, making sure everybody else has that. So that's probably been the hardest thing so far, but we, this year we're going to do way better with that. Yeah, that's good. And so a lot of times people have to deal with issues that arise differently running a brewery because of all the regulations around a brewery that another kind of business wouldn't have, that that combination sometimes complicates things for people. So you not only have the regular business issues you got to manage, but you also have the alcohol uh, regulations and rules. And have, have you had any... Uh, problems or successes that you know, you'd want to talk about and just how you dealt with all that? No, knock on wood, we haven't had any issues with uh, any of the licensing agencies or regulations. Actually, the, the people in Charleston at the ABC office have been phenomenal to deal with. No, that's and great to hear. Yeah, and they're always ready to help. I, I can't say enough good things about them. And also, when you, uh, when you began, you started with this building, and you might kind of describe for people since... We'll have a few photos up on our website, but describe this facility, your tap room and, and, and space and all, and also you've added now more outdoor space. Yes, so our tap room is basically like your living room. That was our intent with the design and the- Comfort. The comfort, yeah. We sure. wanted you to feel like you were at home when you were here, uh, comfortable, not loud. We, we intentionally put up a lot of sound absorption uh, through hanging panels and pillows and mm -hmm. stuff like that, rugs. Uh, to kind of keep it quiet. Mm -hmm. um, we knew we were going to be family friendly, so we wanted those like different areas that everybody could hang out in and mm -hmm. still not affect the other people that were around them. So, so lots of small sort of sitting or gathering, hanging out areas yep. throughout. And then we have a very, very large outdoor area uh, that we've set up so that we can do a lot of outdoor events, um, a lot of outdoor entertainment. 
Yeah, so those will be, I'm sure, ramping up uh, as the weather gets good this mm -hmm. uh, spring and summer. Absolutely. Well, something I love about doing these kind of interviews on site at the brewery, and first time we talked to you, it was just on the phone and online. We weren't here at your facility. and uh, But when we get to these places, you know, we get to sample a very, very fresh beer right at its source. I mean, it's, just, it's a lot of fun for us, you know, and, and to talk about these beers. So, Kurt, I see that uh, we're going to have another beer you're going to have another beer ready for Aaron and I to sample here today. And so if you could go ahead and introduce it while we pour ourselves a taste. We'll take this short break to remind you that you're listening to West Virginia Beer Roads. I'm Charles Bachway along with Aaron McCoy, and we're interviewing Kurt Kimbrell today at Amani Brewing in Martinsburg, West Virginia. What we've poured is our house New England IPA called Hazy Daymaker, a 6.8%. Uh, very low bittering units, uh, super smooth, easy to drink, New England, uh, very fruit forward. Uh, this beer is dry hopped with motueka and citrus, so you get a ton of pineapple and lime and citrus. It's got a great aroma. Yes, it does. Very hazy. Thank you. Quite yeah. good. Uh, fruit is big in this. Uh, those hops, fruity hops really come through. Yeah. So what's been the, the market, you think, for this beer? I mean, what, who ha, what kind of beer drinkers are the ones that really go for these? You know, I was surprised by that. We have a full range of age groups that really enjoy this beer, and a lot of people that I thought were going to be from the Bud Light crowd moving over to craft beer instantly gravitated to this beer. Really? Yeah, it, it's been really uh, surprising and uh, overwhelming and just a wonderful to, to experience. I'm sure. Well, Kurt, let's talk a bit about your take on the beer business here in your region. I know we briefly sort of discussed that you thought your customers were sort of going back to a maybe a core brand. Um, so I'm curious, just sort of t to that end, where do you see your customers' beer style preferences going as far as growing and what's falling off? So I think core brands will be a staple this year. Uh, I think we're going to see that in a lot of other places around here, mm -hmm. uh, not only in tap rooms, but potentially in distribution also. Mm -hmm. um, I think that we're going to see an increase in non-craft beer cocktail consumption mm -hmm. uh, coming up. Um, we are going to introduce a pilot system here next month and really start doing some different brewing processes uh, to try to create some smaller batch beers that would rotate through faster, give people different uh, introductions into different methods of brewing, um, and really hopefully make some really exciting and unique products that are one-off products coming up. Touch a little bit on what you think may be just going away. Potentially sours are going to start falling <laughs> a little bit. Uh, our sour is a little different than a lot of other sours in the industry right now. We're, we're not super thick, super, super fruit forward. Mm -hmm. We've tried to make a little more balanced approach. Um, so our sour is actually our third best selling beer, but I think that we're going to see that tail off a little bit this year, um, especially if we get to introduce some other things like we're hoping to this year. Mm -hmm. So Kurt, any plans for expanding here in Amani? This year is going to be unique. Uh, yes, we're going to expand uh, in a couple different ways. We anticipate bringing food in-house, uh, really getting craft 
with the food that we offer and couple that with the craft beers that we're making. Mm -hmm. um, I'm really looking forward to the working on the artistic side of that like we do with beers mm -hmm. uh, and, and kind of pairing all that together and making a unique experience for the customer. And we're also going to be looking at potentially finding some additional taproom locations within okay. the state. That's kind of exciting. I mean, that's a big switch. I mean, from running one location to maybe adding a tap room. Mm -hmm. It's going to be a challenge. It's going to be exciting. Sure. Uh, but I think, uh, I think it's what is needed in the industry right now um, to, to help move things forward. Mm -hmm. So I'm really looking forward to all of those challenges. What's your target for production volume in 2023? Last year, we did 305 bourbon barrel. Uh, we're hoping without expansion to do 450 or 500 this year. Um, with expansion, I don't know what that'll be. Sure. Uh, I, we won't see uh, expansion outside of this location probably this year. It'll probably be more planning at the end of this year, implementation first of next year. Yeah, 2024. Do you currently do any distribution outside of your own tap room? We do not. Uh, and it's... It's not in our future plans to distribute. Yeah, so if you make more beer here that you can't sell right on site, your plans, it sounded like, was opening maybe another tap room somewhere else. Do you Correct. Have, yeah. Any particular part of the state that's you warming up to, to to put the tap room? Not yet. We've looked at a couple different areas, um, but nothing solid yet. Mm -hmm. But what's within West Virginia? Yes, ma'am. Staying yeah. within West I love this state. I want to, oh, we do we too. Can keep it here. I want to keep it here. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, speaking of, you're here in Martinsburg, West Virginia, just a stone's throw from larger beer markets in Northern Virginia and Metro DC. How do you view the influence of being so close to these larger metro markets? Meaning, does this greatly influence what it takes for you to build your customer base? No, I think it helps. Um, I think the incredible job that breweries that came before us in those bigger markets have done in beer production and experience for the customer have paved the way for us to do what we do today. And if anything, it's done nothing but help us. Mm -hmm. Well, Kurt, when I look at uh, beer rating services like Untapped, I see that you're among the higher rated breweries overall in West Virginia. Uh, things like your Hazy Daymaker IPA and Fireside Coffee Porter. I mean, they, they're getting really good ratings starting out here. Do, is it something that you follow at all, the beer rating services like that? Uh, no, we don't follow that very much. We just kind of stick to our core ideology and methods and, and make, try to make the best beer that we can make. Fair enough. Do you have much interaction with other brewers in your region, like in Berkeley Springs or Charlestown? Not in Berkeley Springs or Charlestown, unfortunately. Uh, all of our interactions are more in Hagerstown, Williamsport, uh, even other places like outside of Pittsburgh and places like that. But I haven't had the opportunity to interact with much with either one of the, you know, L, uh, Berkeley Springs or Charlestown. Well, right. you, with you guys being, you know, geographically fairly close to each other, it seems like you may be able to get some enough action if you have enough customers that would be interested anyway to promote a little brewery trail or like a brewery distillery trail. Right. What do you think? I think that that's on the, in the makings and it's coming up. Uh, we've heard rumors from several people that have asked if we want to be involved with it. And we said, absolutely. We would love to be involved with that. Uh, cause it's a great experience for the customer. And that's what we're trying to do is create the best experience for the customer. 
Yeah, so when you talk about some of these uh, breweries you do keep in contact with, whether it be in Maryland or Pennsylvania, what is it that you find in these other breweries that attracts you to want to stay in touch with them and work with them? Uh, we've become really close friends, uh, and you know that that always keeps things close. I mean, it's it's awesome to talk about the industry, but being in it all the time, oftentimes when we when I get together with some of these other guys, we don't want to talk about beer. Sure. We just want to have beer or mm-hmm. bourbon or something like that and hang out, fix good food, and, and find out you know what's happening in everybody's lives or what the kids are doing. So it's really become you know more of a friendship that we still stay in contact. Uh, we, we certainly text and ask each other questions about beers or answers and stuff like that, but uh, it's really about the friendship. Yeah, I just wonder if you're finding like brewers who are kindred spirits to you and the styles that they prefer to, to make, or at least that, that are well-made at their breweries. Yeah, but I don't think that's what it, what mm-hmm. attracts me to them or, or them to me. I think it's really the, the relationship mm-hmm. that we've built. Yeah, and, and the beers just happen to be good also. Sure. Well, I mean, you're fairly new in the brewing industry, and uh, you've come into it from, I'm sure, as a, a probably brewed at home brewer and stuff like that. I forget. We've talked about that before, but I actually forget what you told me. But, yeah, I know you're, you've worked with some really good breweries, like we mentioned Kushwa and all. But I'm just wondering if those styles that they make well, like at a Kushwa, did that influence you to, to what styles you first like really started making and brewing here commercially? No, uh, we basically built all of our styles based off of what we like to drink and what we thought our customers here mm-hmm. in Martinsburg would prefer. And that's, you know, that our core, our starting lineup was built around that. And then as we've seen things shift throughout the first year, mm-hmm. we've just, you know, made the changes necessary for that. We really try to listen to the customer, what they want, what they expect from us, and try to deliver that. Mm-hmm. It's exciting to see what all you are doing here. And I've noticed uh, as we looked around here before we did the interview, the outdoor area looks great. You're on a large property. How many acres is this here? Uh, we have 32 acres. And you're about three and a half miles, whatever, off I-81, uh, which is just a, then another couple miles out of downtown Martinsburg. So it's a very convenient get-to place. Anybody that's in this uh, eastern panhandle, northern Virginia area ought to come on over here and uh, visit this place. There's plenty of parking, too. You won't have to worry about that. Well, uh, we are wrapping up another episode of West Virginia Beer Roads here in Martinsburg at Amani Brewing with Kurt Kimbrell. Kurt, thank you again for being on West Virginia Beer Roads. We really appreciate your time and wish you the best going forward. Thank you guys so much for having me and also thank you for all you do for the craft beer in West Virginia. We really appreciate it. Thanks. Thank you. This brings us to the close of another podcast. Remember you can subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or your favorite podcast host. Thank you for listening to West Virginia Beer Roads. West Virginia Beer Roads is a production of BrilliantStream.com.